Welcome to Arts Monday Sympoesis on Isad Radio 89.7 FM. This program takes place on the Gedigal land of the Eora Nation, traditional custodians of this land, and I pay my respect to the elders, past, present, and yet to come. My name is Ira and I will be with you for the next hour and a half, talking to artists and writers whose works take inspiration from the natural worlds, contribute to the dialogue on climate change and look at the ways to raise environmental consciousness. Joining me in conversation today will be Aris Tina Stefanu, who is currently developing a vocal participatory action, The Longest Hum, for the coming Cementa Festival, which will take place in Candace, New South Wales, from the 19th to 22nd of May. Tina Stefanu is a Melbourne NARM-based artist of Greek heritage. With a background as a vocalist, she works undisciplined, across a diverse range of mediums, practices, approaches and labors, an embodied practice that she calls voice in the expanded field. Informed by Greek diasporic experiences, Stefano engages in sound as social practice and explores with and beyond the human and more than human voice. This manifests through moving images, performances, installations, improvisations, live actions, conversations, vocal encounters, workshops, music, songs, writings and sculptural invitations. Her collaborators include places, communities, her grandmother, children, musicians, and animals, all involved to playfully disrupt and transform hierarchies of language, elitism, and human exceptionalism. The Longest Hum, a vocal action she's developing for the coming Cementa Festival, invites the community of Candace to come together and create the largest humming chain in Australia. As a musically and sonically democratic moment, the hum works with radio waves, humans, animal companions and place, resonating across the spatial boundaries and infinitely ringing out into the cosmos. Thank you for joining us on ESET Radio 89.7 FM. Perhaps we could start by you describing to us what surrounds you as you speak to us. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Where are you at? 
Mm, beautiful. So I am in Candos on Derby country, and I am sitting in a room that has a tin roof. There's crickets outside, and it's the sun is pouring into the window, so the temperature is quite warm. And I can see very green grass and blue skies with a large palm tree in front of my window. And it's a, yeah, really beautiful, peaceful town. I can hardly hear any traffic or industrial noise. It's basically just an aeroplane and the environment. And you have been spending quite some time lately in this area as you were working mm. on developing the Longest Hum project. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit about what this mm. time in Candos looks like for you from day to day and what kinds of activities mm. are you and were you engaged in while developing this piece? Mm. So um, I came, my first time I came to Candos was last year before there was heavy lockdowns in Melbourne and my first impression well it was a long trip so getting from Melbourne to here was like a a plane a three-hour train and then an hour bus um, and it was raining and someone had picked me up from the bus stop and took me to the residency here and so my day-to-day is Well, this time around, it's meeting people one-on-one. So post-COVID, the singing landscapes or making sound with people, you know, there's a bit to navigate around that. So I'm doing one-on-one lessons. I'm talking to people on the street. I'm handing out handwritten letters. I'm attending local singing groups and speaking to people on the phone a lot. So Just this morning, I spoke to a nun from Mudgee. Um, I've spoken to market coordinators. I've attended the local church. So just really immersing myself in the many textures and fabrics of community life in Candos. So it's quite, yeah, I'd say they're full days full of like lots of different social meetings. <laughs> and what kind of conversations are you having with these people? What are mm-hmm. some of the questions that you're interested in asking them? Mm. Well, it depends on the context. So if I'm doing a one-to-one humming or vocal session, I'm talking about their relationship to their voice. So that goes into all sorts of places. It goes to their childhood histories. Um, it goes to their relationship with the place that they're currently in. And so it moves across all sorts of things. If I'm on the street, there's a lot of stories about Candos that gets shared um, and their experience and how long they've been here and their cultural ties to place. So there's a lot of that. And also people just like to share stories of their relationship to humming, which they find quite comical because it's such a simple proposition, but it somehow elicits lots of different vocal responses. Mm. And what kind of stories have you come across so far? What was the most maybe surprising thing that you have heard when you speak about this relationship Mm. to humming that those people have? Mm. Uh, Well, one of the stories that, I loved hearing about was from a local Wendy who used to be an alpaca breeder and she was telling me about the way alpacas hum to their young so that as the young alpaca grows it knows and registers the mother's sound 
at any given point. So that was beautiful. And how she spent a large part of her time in this region breeding alpacas and becoming friends with them and living with them and really responding to their calls. So when an animal calls, when the alpaca calls, it's not about ignoring it. It's about really tuning into what they're trying to tell you. So that was really beautiful. There's all sorts of stories. There's like community complications and historical dramas, but there's also stories of welcoming and finding a home and you know, all sorts of socioeconomic stories as well. It's just very rich and I really love hearing um, stories from the regions. I find it really, uh, it's just really beautiful. And are you documenting these conversations in any way? Are they becoming a part of the work that will be available to the audiences? Mm, I suppose I I am writing about it as I go, Um I really think that the stories weave into the hum. So the hum or the voice is always already situated and grounded in place. So those stories may not be didactically available in, you know, a linear sense, but they'll definitely, I mean, that's what creates the hum. That's what the hum is. Gathering the stories as... Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's a resonance. So the stories and the interactions and the relationship that I'm building between myself and the people and the place, I think constitutes a hum. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, actually, to think about the ways that you expand this notion of hum and you spoke about mm. alpacas and also working mm. with animals and observing mm. how animals communicate. I know that mm. in some of your previous works mm. you have engaged in sound production with horses. Mm. And also mm. when you speak about hum, you also refer to machines as well. Machines mm. make sounds and the wind mm. makes uh, a sound of hum. Mm. So in a way, this sound of hum is a universal sound and you call it a democratic resonance. Could you talk to that interest a little bit as one of the main interests in your project, this expansion of the ways that we can connect beyond language? Yeah, I think I'm I'm really interested in this distance between words and sounds, you know, these utterances or these, yeah, in-between um phenomena and reactions and responses to the world. Um, I, I think like, yeah, I think humming is a type of conversation with the hummings of the world at large. Even I wouldn't use the word so much universal because I think the hum, whilst it's like a, maybe it's a type of total resonance, but I think it's made up of so much difference mm -hmm. and that's what makes it interesting. So we're, you know, we're differently together. So it's not necessarily about a universal kind of generalized sonic space, but more space of, yeah, resonance, which for me, resonance or the way things sing comes through complexities of difference. Mm -hmm. And that difference spans across the human space between the different experiences and different registers of voice, but also across the different languages of the world, whether it be, like you said, the humming of a machine or abiotic forces or, yeah, the multitudes of frequencies and re resonances that come from creatures around us 
ones that we register and ones that we don't register. So there's something about the hum that is not necessarily about what humans can understand or what humans can hear, but the hum that already exists in multiplicities around us, regardless of whether the human can register it or not. So we're bringing attention to not just the registrable languages around us, but also the things that are happening anyway. <laughs> so that's how I'm coming into the understanding of what hum mean. And it's definitely not some type of transcendental space for leaving the present moment or leaving your present space. It's about actually coming really into that, coming really into the space that you're in. Mm. Speaking yes. about the space in its event form, in its participatory event form, oh. the longest hum will take place oh. in Kandos at a specific oh. place and it oh. will last for a specific duration of time. It's 10 minutes. Mm. You're inviting mm. the Kandos community, whether it's mm. locals or those who will mm. be traveling to the festival, to come mm. together and create this humming chain. Can you mm. describe to us how this will look like and maybe even more so how are you envisioning it to be experienced <laughs> and sound? What are you hoping mm. you will receive mm. from it as well? Will you be chanting or will you be listening? I will be implicated in the hum. Um, I'm trying to be, you know, the artist as a kind of diminishing point amongst others. That's the position I would like to um be part of not necessarily as I don't like these terms facilitator or um yeah or or like creator even just I'm just the hum among many and I suppose I'm just kind of dropping a pin mm-hmm. <laughs> for people to come to um but how would I like it to look I'd like it to look however it eventuates I think if you're working you know if you're committed to process and processual thinking then you are kind of subservient to the event eventing itself mm-hmm. um so all i can do is place the pin and um and hum for the best <laughs> and that yeah so i mean ideally like if you know it would be great if it did end up as a chain so angus avenue in candos is is the main it's the main drag in candos like that's where the local iga is which is the only supermarket in town there's the butcher the baker the local radio station there's lots of craft stores around there's an op shop and that lines this avenue it's the main square and um at one end of the avenue is an old people's facility or an aged care facility and i've been engaging with them too so i would love them to join us and all they simply need to do is just come and meet us um at the front of their home And then on the other end of the avenue, which goes all the way down, is there'll be a, a Sunday market and they're also going to join by stopping for 10 minutes and humming along. And then in between those two points, hopefully there'll be enough people. I mean, the dream is to have as many as possible, but I also am, you know, not going to put that on the artwork. If there's only three of us, that's cool too, but we'll be on that avenue and if a chain of people can go between those two points along with their pets if they want then that would be the dream and the radio station that will be mainly humming in front of will be broadcasting this hum so anyone who's not physically able and as we know in a in a you know post covid or imminently covid world people's ability to be social and to be in public has changed dramatically and oscillates between 
yes and no. So people can uh, tune in to the airwaves via the uh, internet broadcast or radio broadcast. And I've just invited those people to place their radio on their balcony whilst we're humming in the main street so they can feel included. Um, so multiple abilities can be included as much as you can. So, yeah, I would really love it for, yeah, just a, a multiple vocal moment. There'll also be some children on their dirt bikes with radios riding around as well. So the hum will move around generations and, and move around locations. There'll also be, so it's made up of many parts, this hum. It's, again, it's not a totality, and yet it also speaks of unity. Um, there'll be some radios placed around some of the borders in Candos which borders public and private land. So the public will be able to cross private land via sound. So what they can't cross physically will be crossed vocally. So there's a few parts to that. And I feel that that's the, I feel a multiplicitous approach to creating this work is a way to kind of sideline capture or kind of trouble the archive because there'll be many things happening that that will not be registrable or not be seen or not be heard mm. yeah I actually wanted to talk to you about Archive and maybe now it's a good moment and you also said yeah. how this work moves across generations and then mm -hmm. it made me think about across time, across mm. generations that are yet to come. And given yes. that it's a short action actually, just 10 minutes mm. and that the work yes. in its essence is ephemeral, I'm yes. wondering if how to Archive it and how to extend its mm. life beyond those 10 minutes is that something that concerns you in general in your practice? Because your practice is often performative and therefore ephemeral. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not concerned at all. I think that, um, well, it's interesting because the longest hum, whilst it was conceived as a live action, because of COVID, I created a online version of it, which actually runs for 21 years. Mm -hmm. So time in this way, it, you know, it's funny, it's called the longest time and it's for 10 minutes, right? Um, <laughs> I And in a way, I think it's not necessarily about just the action being the archival moment, but the ripples of effect that happens when you are in relation with something. So the longest time is, yeah, it's not about the work necessarily being the longest and the most captured, but more about how people acquire sensibility not necessarily capture or an outcome or an object but sensibility as the primary collecting force so that's how i feel about archive or the anarchive which is something that's always in process and something that affects and is affecting and a paradox right so it's something that both so as soon as you start to explain something and put language to something, you're kind of beginning to frame it or to make the unknown known, which mm. which is already a domesticizing. But then you don't want to also make the known unstrange either. So there's these really interesting plays and flips that are going on, and I'm really interested in staying with those. So whether it be making a film for horses and who's that for, how does that become communicated outside of its event or whether it be creating the longest hum which means how the hum is archived or how it's stored or rippled or resonant within the body after the event so these are all I think really interesting problems and probably my 
my desire and love for the strange. Mm. Yeah. You have also mentioned how you don't like this term facilitator and mm. you prefer to thinking about yourself as somebody who drops the pin or initiates mm. a ripple in the ocean maybe. And I wonder if some of these concerns regarding the move away from individual practices and focus on mm. individual, which often yields the competition in art and the move mm. towards more collective and the move towards mm. commons have been mm. in any way triggered through the COVID era that we just went through and some of the concerns and questions that have emerged for you at that time? Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, I think it's another interesting flippity-flip because, of course, the work stems from a thinking or a feeling, but that feeling is never just an individual thing you're influenced by a multiplicity of interactions and thinkings and feelings so to simply center the artist as the individual who is the mastermind that creates these things i think is problematic i think we also reinsert extractive practices in that so it's really difficult and really interesting particularly even like with social media i mean, it's very individual, like I'm posting this from my device that I've bought and this device is implicated in all sorts of ah, phenomena and geopolitical webs. And so you're always you're always kind of morphing between the individual voice and the collective effect. So, um, yeah, this is definitely pre-COVID. It could even stem from the fact that I come from a big Greek family mm. <laughs> and the individual voice is always more than one. Mm. It's never one anyway. So that's another thing. Um, and yeah, I do struggle with that. And I feel all sorts of tensions in the competitive art world and representation and the sites, histories and stories that one might use to you know generate capital and I don't blame anyone for that and I don't want to pull out a stick and point it either because we're all implicated in the world of stories um, and, and magic and trickery so um, but how do you I think a soft touch is maybe what the pin is moving with the things that are already there that are already doing things and you simply create an invitation or a space for that to be resonant or, or um, to be highlighted. It's more, it's, sometimes it's like, duh, this is already here anyway. So it's kind of it's a moment like that, that I, those kind of assemblages that I'm interested in and yeah, language plays tricks. So it's even hard for me to define all of those layers of, I think maybe it's like the neoliberal condition, a contemporary condition for the artist moving between the market and what you have to do to kind of transgress it to be an artist but then you're also participating in it and we are influenced by celebrity culture and fame culture and I and I and I'll say also like the American empire culture which is many things as well good and bad so I think glamour also plays into some of these things mm. and I just yeah I don't know and I think acquiring objects and what that means and the history of that from a Western point of view, because this is a very Western point of view. Yeah, it has some problematics and I think we've got a lot of feeling to do about all this together.
You're on ESA Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday, Simpoesis, where we talk about art and environmentalism. My name is Ira. This program airs to you from the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. And I'm currently in conversation with artist Tina Stefanu, who is calling us from Candace, New South Wales, where she's currently developing her vocal participatory action, The Longest Hum, which will take place as part of this year's Samantha Festival. I was reading a text that you wrote for CISO, I believe, CISO mm. magazine, and mm. there is this beautiful passage. There are many beautiful, actually, passages in it, but I will focus on this one. And you say, within art, new music and performance spaces, there mm. is a gut-wrenching paranoia and fragile sense of community. Artists look at what their peers are doing, comparing and contrasting themselves to find what makes them distinct in the market and mm. all that to stand out. And what happens next is that forms of production end up mirroring each other instead of artists feeling safe to experiment and try new things out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I think... Um, I think that's kind of yeah speaking to a little bit of what I was what I tried to say but not so articulated what you just read out um they're your words that, <laughs> they're that, yeah well that, I suppose are they my words or are they just my very clever synthesis of other people's words and that's another thing those words are from a whole heap of amazing thinkers out there and they just resonate and then I find a way to kind of spit them back like an alpaca <laughs> spit mm. them out there in a in a different way to to hum something I mean that's a beautiful thing about you know sharing knowledge but uh, yeah again there's a tension of course with cultural capital and who gets to speak and where does this speaking go to and you know there's all of those things but you also don't want that to restrict you from having the real conversations that need to be had during these times mm. um so you got you can't get too lost in the politics of representation um but yeah, I think we live in a very strange, reflective time and the sense of community, and of course it's not all community, and community is a funny word that's also been co-opted by mm-hmm. all sorts of businesses and, and strategies to sell something. But in terms of, in its essence, to collectivise the shared commons, yeah, I do wonder what that means in the academic art industrial complex and how that affects artists' bodies and how that affects artists' relationships to the world, to each other, to ourselves, to our ideas. Why that idea? Where is it coming from? And, yeah, we're always saturating so many images and so many ideas and so many glossy, good-looking things that I just, um, yeah, I'm just not sure. Um, I'm just not sure. (laughs) I haven't got any words for it now, you know. Yeah, I think that 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 quote and that quote that you read is from actually an essay in the Women's Arts Register bulletin called the Planetary Commons. So that wasn't the Cecil one. That was, um, yeah, that's a different one. But yeah, similar. That all my writing has a similar tone, <laughs> and that tone is wrestling with sense of purpose and maybe authenticity, if I can use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, like market values and how they kind of seep in and potentially um, impact what you 
tell the world. Mm. I did read yeah. quite a few of the things you've been writing in the last few days, so it mm. probably all got a bit messed up in my head as yeah, well. What the sources of each are, but you are right. Yes, it is Bulletin Magazine number yeah. 69, issue 69, yeah. which was published yeah. in December last year, so not mm. that long ago. Mm. And as you were talking about these communal interactions in mm. sharing of the knowledge and production of the knowledge, mm. I also mm. wanted to reflect on this issue of who feels invited to speak and who feels mm. invited to hum. And mm. I know that in one of the invitations to join this longest hum, you are saying mm. it's not about being a good singer, but about having a go and enjoying mm. creating sounds with others and mm. being part of something big. And then mm. I was reflecting on the fact that you are a teacher as well. You mm. give lessons in singing. Mm. And I wonder how often do you come across people who tell you that they can't sing or they feel shy to release mm. a sound and mm. what is your feeling around this idea that some people can sing and some people can't? <laughs> yeah, it's so a uh, great question. I think it's so deep. I once had a student uh, when I was living in Istanbul, my main source of sustenance was giving lessons to people and I had this beautiful young woman come and have singing lessons and the reason she was coming is because she had a phobia of making sound beyond spoken word so if a sound was elongated or a word was elongated she would actually begin to cry so it was really it was like a it was a proper phobia that she had developed from a young age because someone told her or laughed at her when she sung or made a sound. And this woman was 35 years old at the time and we spent six months just being able to hum. Mm. And at the end of the six months, she actually could sing some melody. And that was the, the transformation that I witnessed in her sense of being and in the way in which she can relate to the world was massive. And, you know, just imagine trembling and crying every time a syllable was extended. Mm. So even, yeah, so that was you know, amazing. And, and I think even the most confident vocalists I've met, the relationship to their voice is complicated. To move beyond the everyday miracle of speech for some is really intimidating. And to hear yourself in the world or to resound back at yourself something that's not so controlled or something that reveals a tremor in your being is a something that seems to be like a common um at least in my experience with others a, a common fear or a common intimidation mm. and i mean there are stories of people that have actually never heard their voices outside of a spoken context they've never heard themselves sing mm. they've never done that and that's i find like really amazing and particularly in a time where you know in a covid imminently covid world where singing collectively was considered dangerous mm -hmm. so releasing sound with others out loud with your mask off if you sing because there's obviously there's all sorts of you know bodily things taking place when you sing that understandably can create concern about that but with even that extra type of unconscious messaging there um I do wonder now how people feel about that 
even more has it increased their anxiety around singing and the hum is a kind of way around that because a hum <laughs> works with the mouth being closed so the space of the mouth closes mm. so there's probably more safety in doing that mm. in numbers than having an oh with your mm. mouth open and all your breath coming out and spit and whatnot mm. um so yeah it's and it's amazing like i had a fellow hummer hum with me today and again the transformation from entering the space and connecting to breath and voice and finding some new kind of personal agencies with voice and then when she came out of that session there was a huge transformation that took place and that transformation to me isn't like some big bang it's like a it's like a gentle brightness in the eyes or something that takes place it's a oh yeah that's right i can do this and i don't need anyone it doesn't cost anything and i can do it anywhere so there's a very strong sense of architecture, personal architecture that you can create with the voice that I think is extremely powerful. And it's no wonder that in certain times in history that they've banned certain types of singing. Even in um, in Greece, there's a there's like a um, well, there was at, at times a song tradition that was illegal. So even if you hummed the tune and the police officer heard it, then you would you have been in serious trouble, even locked up. So we know something about the voice and the power of song or the power of making sound. And obviously Indigenous people of this land know this better than anyone. So there is something very powerful about that. And I'm not on some kind of hero journey here to try and <laughs> try and align people with voice. I think you already got it. And um, if I can find some fellow hummers to kind of expand that architecture, then I think that's um, amazing. Mm. I know that this fear of creating sound creates tensions mm. around your throat mm. and it is an energy center that is located mm. there. It's one of the mm. chakras. And um, I know that at the beginning, when you speak about the longest hum, you said it's uh, in no means a transcendental experience because it's about being and staying in the place. But I was, as I was imagining this work, wondering if there is some, you know, healing intention, communal healing intention in uh, creating this sound together again after all this period of restrictions and fears of being with others and uh, fears of being heard and all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. And yeah, and also the, I mean, the hum is also taking place on the day of election. Oh, yes. So, Wonderful. So there's another yeah, talking about democracy of sound or democracy of voice and democracy of place and being. The fact that that's also happening at the same time is also an interesting thing to instead of get together and vote, which I think is super important and I think everyone should um, exercise that uh, right that we have in this country. Um, but, yeah, to to hum not for the state or for an ideology I think is um I think is worthy and um, yeah, I think that the healing, anything worth, um, I think anything worth its weight in gold has a healing effect to be honest. Um, it's not my intention to promote it as such. I'm not a professional healer. It's not necessarily a pathway that I'm pursuing as a practitioner of art, but I think that it's unavoidable that 
by releasing sound and taking in oxygen that endorphins are released and there are somatic practices and body awareness things there that I don't totally know about but I do understand as a vocalist and as a sound maker and as a breather that when that attention is placed that something does happen and for some that could be what is considered healing. Mm. Yeah. It's also vibration. It's like a sound bath because it's not just the sound that we produce in our bodies, but we will be surrounded with these vibrations of sounds around us mm. as well, which mm. I'm imagining will be quite powerful. Mm. Yeah. I, ex yeah. The voice is always co-constituted. It's always in collaboration in relation to the effects that are around us, whether it be a body or a particle or a frequency that's already there. So, yeah, I suppose the hum, again, it's not human-centred. It's, it's the, it, the hum is the first three letters of the word human. So I'm focusing on the resonance that moves beyond the human, with the human, but beyond the human. And obviously it will come into contact with many, many bodies in that space. Mm. Mm -hmm. You have mentioned that it will take place on the election day. So that is Saturday, 21st of May. How do we get involved? How do we reach out to you to find out how to join? Mm. So there's many ways to be part of the longest hum. If you're coming to Cementa, which I strongly encourage you to do and to come and support regional places that are fostering amazing emergent practices in very interesting and diverse ways. Um, so that's happening. The Cementa Festival will runs from uh, the 19th of May to the 22nd. And the longest hum is on the 21st of May, which is a Saturday. Um, we'll be meeting at 9.30 a.m. the front of the radio station on Angus Avenue. But if you can't attend, you can tap into 98.7 KRRFM at 10 a.m. So even if you're not in Candos, I mean, turn on the hum and turn it up loud and have a sing with us. I think you can connect to it online as well. Mm. So um, it'd be great to have you to have, you know, as many beautiful hums with us, whether they are physically in front of the radio station on Angus Avenue or whether they're at home with the radio or phone. Um, but also you can you can submit a hum to the longesthum.world, which is an ongoing 21-year cycle humming event action um, that works with um, code and place and sound, um, which will keep going and keep animating and changing over 21 years. So your hum essentially feeds this river system that I'm calling it. So yeah, you're totally totally welcome to come and join and hum in in many ways. And uh, there's the longest hum on Instagram, or yeah, you can find me Tina Stefano. You can find me online, and please reach out. Mm. And uh, 21 year, is there a significance why 21 rather than 19? <laughs> um, well, it was birthed uh, in the year 2021, so I just went with that and I don't know I think 21 is kind of a groovy number <laughs> I was born on the 21st of the 11th and I, I suppose I don't want to bring it back to me but that number has some significance and yeah it was kind of arbitrary and playful yeah mm -hmm. and uh, you are engaged in a couple of those projects that have a long-lasting engagement there is another yes. project that will last for 40 years yes 
let's stay just with the longest harm for the moment. Mm. From this point of view in 2022, mm. Mm. how are you imagining that in now 20 years time, the longest mm. harm will sound and look like? Are you making notes of these imaginations that you then 20 years ahead of us, you will be able to reflect back on and see, oh, I couldn't have predicted this or I didn't see it going <laughs> this way? Um, it's a good idea. You know, I have to get better at um, giving more attention to documenting those things. Um, I imagine well, in 2022, oh gosh, well, I just hope we'll make it as a civilization, hopefully for the better, not towards, you know, a utopic a utopic stance for the sum, but, um, but you know, I hope that uh, powers that be and the collective hum of humanity can um, find a way to take care of its most vulnerable, including the planet. So, yeah, that's my hope. But what I imagine, I don't know, maybe that hum will be white noise. Maybe that hum will be silence. Maybe that hum will be um, the accumulation of past stories in a single seed. I don't know. It's a speculation that's thrown out there and maybe it will, you know, come back in many ways and in ways that I don't think any one person should actually know. Mm. And then mm. I'm also wondering whether you as an artist who has all these new ideas will mm. get bored by the project by the you know 2030 you will be oh, I'm mm. done with this hum project <laughs> I'm, I'm hummed um, out yes <laughs> um, well the beauty the beauty of it is is that it doesn't really require me to you know be the sole propagator of a big thing because it becomes its own thing and I think that's what's the most exciting thing about art practice um, what's exciting to me about art practice is when something is let go into other forms and forces and that's what I think art should do it's not something that I hold and contain and maintain and produce and reflect and put out and push out to the world not at all I mean how bloody exhausting is that I'm not a bank um, what's exciting is that the the idea like a seed again is a pin and the world does its thing with it and that's it mm. whether it amounts to anything spectacular whether I win a an award or whether, you know, all the cool kids talk about it is actually irrelevant. What's important is that something is propagating in the world, gently um, mutating and moving and affecting in ways that I can't imagine and nor should I. Mm. Yeah. Well, I would love to talk to you again in <laughs> 1942 uh, when this project <laughs> will come to the end. I would love to talk to you in between as well, uh, yeah. but definitely in 1942 and maybe we can listen back to this conversation and see what happened in between. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll be 2042, but I'm happy to go to 1942 with you as well. I mean, why not? Time travel is, is um, yeah, it's it's doable in the imagination. Oh, did I say 1942? Was that? You, oh, yes. You, you did say that, but that's great. <laughs> I, I love that. I mean, why can't we invert it? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I did mean 2042. Um, 42. It's, it's a mind-blowing it. number, I guess. So it's it was hard for my brain to even... Um, speak those numbers out yeah no, so I went beautiful. to the past yeah mm, beautiful but in between uh this all time dimensions whether we go into past or the future i will mm. see you on 21st of may yes. which is in um three weeks time or so yeah day of 
the elections yes. and um, maybe before you make any decisions, uh, maybe you want to hum a bit to clear your mind and come in communal action. Uh, this will happen in Candace, uh, New South Wales. It's about three, three and a half hours away from Sydney, a beautiful yeah. opportunity to get out of the city. And mm. as Tina mentioned, uh, beside the longest hum, which is the name of her project, there will be a plenty of other art activities and events okay. uh, and a very rich program that starts on 19th of May, runs until 22nd of May. And to find out more, you can go to cementa.com.au. Mm. Tina, thank you very much for taking time to um, reveal all the details behind this project. <laughs> thank you so much for giving me the time to hum with you. It's been a real pleasure. Has anything that you're seeing now or hearing now changed in the last one hour we were speaking? Is the light different? Um, well, even though the sun is lower, it feels brighter, but that could just be from the effect of our conversation. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Isad Radio 89.7 FM Come, and it is a stand up.